This is HPR episode 2032 entitled, How I Came to Linux. It is hosted by first-time host Steve Sainer and is about 14 minutes long. The summary is, Steve tells his story on how he came to be a Linux user. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. Howdy, folks. This is 5150, and I'm here to tell you about Kansas Linux Fest 2016, which will be happening on the campus of Wichita State University May 21st and 22nd. KLF started last year with the idea that a first-rate Linux event could be hosted in the underserved Midwest. I think KLF 2016 is the further realization of that dream. The full schedule is now available at KansasLinuxFest.com. But highlights for me include Alex Juarez from Rackspace and Ryan Sipes from Kansas's own Mycroft.ai project. There is also a talk on Sunday morning about promoting free software and the role of the hobbyist podcaster. Attendance is without cost, but donations may be made on the sponsor page. Guests who arrive Friday evening may attend a free showing of Revolution OS. The Saturday night event will be hosted Headshots, a video game bar. I know it seems a little late to put the word out, but please don't miss this opportunity to interact with your fellow open source enthusiasts and professionals in the only venue convenient to the central United States. My name is Steve, and you are listening to Hacker Public Radio. I've been a listener of Hacker Public Radio for several months now, but this is my first attempt at contributing a show. Hopefully, it will be the first of many. I decided that for my first show, I would add to the How I Came to Linux series. But before I do that, I'll tell you just a little bit about myself. I live in south-central Kansas in the United States, near the city of Wichita. My day job is systems and network administration for a local internet service provider. My wife and I live outside of town on a small acreage where we can keep a garden and a horse. I have a wide range of interests and hobbies, most of which are, shall we say, hacker-friendly. One of these is amateur radio. My call sign is KD0IJP. Another big hobby of mine is model rocketry. I'm actually hoping to put together an HPR show on that subject sometime in the near future. Anyway, to the main subject of this show, my road to Linux. I would say that I'm an avid Linux user. In fact, I use some form of Linux for easily 95% of my computing activities on a daily basis. Unlike many Linux users, however, I would not say that I am a Linux evangelist. While I might suggest the use of Linux to someone, or I might 
mock Windows users when they're having those typical Windows problems. I don't generally care to spend much time convincing others that they should use Linux. I have this little mantra that I'm rather fond of that goes like this. Use whatever operating system you want. Just don't ask me to fix it. So how did I come to be a Linux user? My first computing experience that I remember was in elementary school in the late 1970s or early 1980s. For a while we had a Commodore 64 computer, and I used it a little bit. I wasn't really that much interested in it at the time. When I moved on to middle school and high school, however, we had an Apple II lab. This is when I first started taking an interest in computers. We had a couple computer literacy type classes that I took, but I went beyond those and started tinkering with programming and more advanced topics on my own. During my sophomore year in high school, probably around 1986, I was able to use some money that I had saved up to purchase an Apple IIc computer of my own. I got fairly heavily into basic programming as well as some assembly programming. As a senior in high school, I took a computer science class and found that I pretty much knew more about the computer than the teacher did. After high school, I went to a small two-year college and began studying electronics technology. I was also exposed there to some DOS-based PCs. This was still pretty much before Windows, or at least before Windows became popular. I took a couple programming classes there, but that's about it. After those two years, I transferred to Kansas State University into the electrical engineering program. As part of that curriculum, I took some more heavy-duty programming classes and began to learn about the computer systems available on campus. At that time, K-State had a mainframe computer system running some form of VMS operating system, I think. It was I was able to get an account on this system and access it via serial terminals in various computer labs around campus. Soon after that, though, I learned about the Unix system that was operated by the computer science department. I don't know what the hardware was, but I believe it was running some form of Sun OS. This Unix system was available through various network terminals around campus. They also had a dial-up terminal server that I could use to dial in with my modem in my PC and access the shell. By this time, I had purchased a PC computer with a 386SX running Windows 3.1. I used the Windows terminal program and some other software to connect to the Unix shell. I used this system for some programming assignments and and stuff. I also learned about email and Usenet newsgroups. Usenet newsgroups were pretty popular back in that day. I learned how to download and upload files to and from my PC using things like Xmodem, Ymodem, and Zmodem protocols. K-State also had several labs around campus full of Sun Spark stations. These provided my first experience with X-Windows and graphical interfaces on Unix systems. Near the end of my time at K-State, I began hearing about this thing called Linux that would let you have a Unix-like operating system on your own PC. By now, I had upgraded to a 40, 486 computer and was able to establish a TCP/IP connection to the school network using a modem and the PPP protocol. 
I was still using Windows 3.1, and I think I used the Trumpet Windsock stack to make the TCP/IP connection. So my first attempt at installing Linux was to download a set of 20 to 25 uh, floppy disk images of an early release of Slackware. I wrote those images to floppy disks and then installed them one by one. And if I remember right, you know, like on disk number 15 or something like that, I had a corrupted file, so I had to redo that disk and start all over. In the end, though, I was successful enough to boot to a login prompt and log into the system. Soon after that, I found the book called Linux Unleashed, and it had a slightly newer version of Slackware on a CD in the back cover. So I installed that, and by reading the book, I was able to get further in my discovery of Linux. I also began diving into configuring X-Windows, which in that day was not for the faint of heart. I spent quite a few hours tinkering around with mode line configurations and learning about my monitor specifications and that kind of thing. But I did finally get X running pretty well. At that time, um, I had the TWM window manager um, on the Slackware install. And that was okay, because I was used to that on the Sun Spark stations on campus as well. But beyond that, I really had very little software to use, and I didn't quite understand how to get software or how to do much beyond booting the system. So really, I mostly continued to be a Windows user uh, at that time. After graduating from college, I upgraded to Windows 95. I continued to have Linux kind of lurking in the background, and I wanted to use it more, but I just didn't really understand how. Every once in a while I would boot into it and tinker around, but that's about it. The next turn of events came when I started working for an internet service provider. This ISP was using BSDI, which is a commercial version of the BSD OS running on x86-based servers. Even though we were using Windows workstations, we had a number of tools and scripts that we used on the BSDI command line and connected to the server with Telnet and then later SSH. So in this way, I learned a lot more about Unix, uh, command line tools, and this, the, the environment in general. After several years, I was able to move into a systems administration role and was able to have my own BSDI workstation running X and the FVWM window manager. However, during this time, I also decided to pick up Linux again, outside of work, on, on my own. I obtained a then-current version of Slackware, which I believe was version 3.0 or possibly 3.5 and found that it had come a long way since my first attempts a number of years ago. It was a much more complete system, it was much easier to set up, had more usable software. Of course, I was also beginning to learn how to build software from source. It was kind of at this point that I started to transition my daily computing activities from Windows to Linux in earnest. So much of my computer usage from the time I started using computers was programming, 
And as I was rediscovering Linux, I was also learning how to program in, in a Linux environment. I had learned C in college, so that was, you know, an easy transition. I also learned scripting languages such as Perl and Bash. Since I was in the ISP industry, I was also learning how to configure all manner of server software, from web servers to mail servers to FTP servers and so on. I was also learning more about networking and firewalls and those kinds of things. In 2001, I changed jobs to a different ISP, this time as the Senior Systems and Networking Administrator. This ISP had been using Red Hat, Red Hat for a couple servers. As we needed additional servers and as those servers needed to be replaced, I was able to build everything using my preferred Linux distribution, namely Slackware. I'm still working for this ISP today, and I now administer around 80 Linux servers. Some of these are bare metal servers and others are virtual machines. Most of these are still running Slackware, believe it or not. I do also run a couple Debian servers. I know that in this day and age, Slackware has lost a lot of popularity, and I know why that is. Still, especially for server environments, it has treated me extremely well. It is exceptionally stable and easier to maintain than you might think once you develop some processes. Over the years, I've added some customizations that have made it work for me. Until recently, I've also been using Slackware as my primary workstation environment as well, using the XFCE desktop, which comes with that distribution. And that, too, has worked pretty well for me. One of the main knocks against Slackware, of course, is the lack of software package repositories associated with the distribution. If you want to use software outside of the base distribution, you have to build it yourself, for the most part. This is made easier by a community project called Slack Builds. This is basically a library of scripts that is maintained by the community that can be used to build Slackware packages of software from source. This actually works pretty good, and for the servers that I run, it's pretty easy to maintain. I was, however, finding that for the workstation environment, simply the sheer number of packages needed uh, to do everything I wanted to do was becoming a bit of a burden. So I have recently been branching out and trying some other distributions, particularly for the workstation environment. I'm currently using Linux Mint on my laptop, which I'm using to record this show, actually. I mentioned that I'm a amateur radio operator. For my HamShack computer, I'm using Debian 8, which is Jesse, with the Ham Radio Pure Blend um, project distribution. This is maintained by the Ham Radio community within Debian and is basically stock Debian with a bunch of Ham Radio software installed by default. It uses the Mate desktop and it works pretty well also. So, in general, I haven't been a distro hopper. I tend to find what I like and stick with it until it doesn't do what I need it to do. I also don't tend to spend too much time on the bleeding edge of Linux. For the most part, my goal is to run a system that does the things I need it to do and 
in which I understand the inner workings well enough to be able to maintain it, secure it, and troubleshoot any problems that come up. In other words, you could say that I'm more interested in using Linux than in learning about every detail and nuance. I do also maintain a couple versions of Windows as VirtualBox machines that I fire up every once in a while. Uh, there are a couple of tasks that I still have to use Windows for, but they are fairly rare. I've also come to appreciate Apple OS X, and I even had an, a MacBook laptop for a while. But really, when I want to get something done, I find that the Linux environment is still the most suited to my needs. So that's really my story uh, of how I came to Linux. I hope that you found it interesting or enjoyed it and maybe found it useful in some possible way. Uh, please leave any comments or suggestions that you might have. So with that, I will sign off for today and hopefully I will be able to produce another show soon. So this again is Steve and you have been listening to Hacker Public Radio. I hope everyone has a great day. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website, or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.